At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Howdy, everyone. If you enjoy the show, join our free Discord. Link in the description and chat with the cast. Please leave a review and consider joining our Patreon for behind-the-scenes content and more. Tears start at a dollar, and even that helps us out. To stay up to date with episode releases and more, follow us on Twitter at Riffway Podcast. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Realms, the 5e D&D podcast where we discuss all you need to know about world building. From gods and demons to mountains and molehills, I'm Nathan, the dungeon master and creator of Riftwake. And I'm Josh, your co-host, fellow dungeon master, world builder, and fantasy enjoyer. And today we'll be talking about sci-fi under a genre series yay (laughs) the sci-fi genre genre if you want to know about john genres you know we have an episode defining all the stuff yep that you can listen to previously that kind of goes through why we're including genres and why we're having an entire series based off of just the genres um but let's get Right into it. Yeah, absolutely. Sci-fi. It's a huge genre that has so many sub-genres based off of how deep you want to go. How deep? Uh, and how deep, how wide. It's it, like, do you want to have something easy or do you want to do something hard? Like, I mean, technically, it, it covers everything from, like, Gundams to... <laughs> To Firefly, to Stars Without Numbers, it's it's really, really expansive what can be sci-fi. And, I mean, like, even things like the Sci-Fi Channel, if anyone's ever watched uh, Stargate or Eureka, like, those are, those are personal sci-fi shows that I've fallen in love with and kind of uh, have always really enjoyed, but there's... There's a lot here. There's a lot of subgenres here in the sci-fi scene. So, so typically, what are the hallmarks of sci-fi? Like, what generally makes 
a setting feel like a sci-fi setting? So generally a sci-fi setting feels futuristic. And mm. it, it feels futuristic in that it doesn't necessarily need to be a good future or a bad future. It just needs to feel like the not now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, kind of like how fantasy was also in that vein of the not now, but it was past. Sci-fi has the not now, comma, but the future. Um, and you really kind of divide it into two broad, broad, broad strokes category of hard versus soft sci-fi. And that's basically how the science in the science fiction is treated. Um, in hard sci-fi, you have strong and fast rules of this is how the technology works. This is how everything is. It, it's based off of physical principles that are, you know, knowable and rect- rectifiable and everything. And then there's soft sci-fi, which is a little loosey-goosey with the science. So, let's see. Hot and soft sci-fi. So, give me an example of a setting that has hard sci-fi. I'd say hard sci-fi would be... I want to say Star Trek. But Star Trek has a tendency to get a little loosey-goosey with its science fiction. But they try to techno-babble at you, so everything, quote-unquote, makes sense. <laughs> and so, it's, they, they, do, they do have things that aren't, like, technically, physically possible, but they don't do anything that isn't explainable. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's, like, some sort of bullshit reason why it's... <laughs> yeah, there's always some bullshit reason why this impossible thing has happened. Um, Another version of the hard sci-fi um, is Eureka, that TV show that I mentioned earlier, and like Stargate, where, mm. you know, the science behind everything is very well laid out. Like, there are reasons for everything that happens, and uh, generally physics plays by rules that we're used to. Um, right. Your soft sci-fi generally lets technology take a backseat to... Like, like, like actual physical principles take a backseat to it's it? It's unimportant. What you want is just that veneer of, ooh, look, future cool thing. <laughs> the teleporter works. Well, why does it work? So shut up. It does. <laughs> you know, it, you, you go up, into nerd. it, you, you, you <laughs> teleport, you know? It's like, do I... Do, is it like making a copy of me on the other side? Am I dying when I use the, the killer teleporter? <laughs> do I exist? Do I exist? These are not questions for the soft sci-fi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah the weak and soft. <laughs> uh, soft sci-fi. I, I'd say kind of like Gundam falls under the soft sci-fi. Right. Because they never like, really Why are we using the mechabots? What did yeah, they do? Like, and why are they better they... than a regular tank? No, it's yeah. Like... It's not just that. It's more like along the lines of just like, okay, <laughs> how, how do they move? <laughs> like, they're so big and like metal. Like, they're, they're Probably made of some form of, form of metal, and like, how do they move so like swiftly and all that shit? Where is it keeping all those, all that energy to fly mm-hmm. about like that? You know all that shit. And it's like, sh- yeah. shut up and yeah. just enjoy it. It's cool. Um, I would even put like Power Rangers in this realm. <laughs> like, like Power Rangers is kind of sci-fi, but it's also kind of fantasy, and they just have superpowers because they have special gems most of the time, or you know, special police badges that turn them into crime fighters or 
etc 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 uh power rangers ninja storm that's what's up <laughs> i actually have probably watched a single episode in my entire life of power rangers yes i think it's more of a america thing no, I right. think I just had no childhood, but, you know. I mean, that's also possible. But uh, I, th- I thought it was more of an America thing, or was it originally Japanese, and they just no, had American Japanese. actors show up to have it, white I people think, in the show? I think it was, it's, it's probably somehow linked to Japanese, because... I, th- I thought what it was is that uh, it was originally Japanese, and then whenever they brought it over to America, they just had white people replace all the Japanese characters, but they didn't change the uh, the fight scenes because, uh, and so you could just dub over the fight scenes with someone else's voice, so they didn't have to re-record it. I th- I thought that was what happened. I I'm not certain. I'm gonna have to look it up. Oh, here you go. Were the scenes with the right Power Ranger interacting with the other Rangers original scenes due to the White Ranger? Oh. Did you notice there were two female Power Rangers, but only one of them had a skirt? That's because the American show used Japanese. Yeah. The the American show used Japanese Power Rangers footage for the fight scenes. Ah. I knew it. Anyways, back to sci-fi. <laughs> it was totally unrelated to the entire show. I just had to make sure that I was right. I wasn't feeding everyone bullshit. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say that those are like your two largest subcategories of sci-fi is how they treat the science portion of the science fiction. Um And that's going to be important whenever you're picking your setting, when you're picking your game system. Um, I mean, technically, Jurassic Park is sci-fi, and they 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 go hard oh, right. into the hard sci-fi. It's just not that futuristic, not as futuristic. Exactly, because dinosaurs are there. We're like, oh, okay, it's like an adventure movie, but it's like it's really more of yeah, a science be- fiction. Because yeah, 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 it's basically like if you took what was modern day then, and then you mm-hmm. pushed it, pushed one very specific science forward in terms of genetic science, mm-hmm. and then said okay what if that science improved to the point where you had dinosaurs you know yeah. right and now it, if everything feels like we're in the past <laughs> right um so do you want to move on to like a different sub genres or do you want to keep talking about hard versus soft sci-fi and because the thing with hard versus soft sci-fi i re- I decided what we're gonna do <laughs> yes the thing with hard versus soft sci-fi is that it get it lets I mean, all these are tools for our storytellers to put together. Um, And choosing that right out the very beginning lets you kind of make a determination right at the start of your world building of how nitty gritty am I going to get into these things that, you know, my players are going to have to be prepared for. That's like, hey, eventually you're going to have to accept that I personally am not a scientist. And we're just going to have to move forward, even if my physics is wrong on this. Right. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I do not know how I don't I don't know how um, that rocket would work. I know that <laughs> rockets generally, you know, send things moving, I guess, you know, 
Um, it d- doesn't really doesn't really matter if it's physically impossible for this <laughs> thing to be moving that fast. You know, it's cool. Okay, you know that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely! Oh, it's a great, 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 great time. Um, so different subgenres. The first one that we were going to be talking about here is the exploration subgenre. Um, this is really kind of like your Star Treks, your Stargates, your uh, Stars Without Numbers, your Firefly, um, where there is a huge, vast, unexplained, unknown wilderness beyond. Uh, I guess that'd be more like Star Trek Voyager is this one, like to go to boldly go where no one's gone before. It's it's really, really a lot of it is exploring new things, uh, developing the environment. Um, when you're doing this, um, it kind of helps to have a sense of isolation here. Right. Um, so that way it feels like, you know, not everyone could be doing this at any moment in time. I, I think uh, one major part of exploration, um, like just the exploration genre and how you can play it out, is um, basically have the periods in which you're traveling from point to point, right? And you're just mm-hmm. stuck in this massive void where nothing's really close and you yourself are, like, um, in this small ship of your own. And I think, mm-hmm. like, with that, you can create certain things that happen on this ship that make you attached to the ship, um, that give you uh, opportunities to... Basically, kind of forming relationships between yeah, players. Explore, yeah, explore recently relationships between players. Um, build a connection to that ship because that's the. I mean, if One Piece has taught me anything, you, <laughs> if you, if you build that attachment hard enough, people are gonna be like, "No, not the ship! Don't destroy it!" No, and then, no, and then they'll be very sad if something happens to it. Also. Like, I mean, I, I've yeah. seen Firefly. You, you, you don't want anything happening to Serenity. Every single time Serenity gets a dent in it, I'm like, no! <laughs> right, because like, um, especially with these kinds of stories, it's very easy to build like some sort of character to a vessel. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, there's always this like, um, I, I don't know why it's the case, but very often, especially with these kinds of things, it's like, it's very easy to build a sort of character to to mm-hmm. uh, yeah and th- this is kind of it works really really well with those like age of sale themes right um, definitely because you're you're alone you're out in the like the thing is that you don't have to do that that doesn't have to be the way an exploration sci-fi show works um but um generally that's the kind of feel and aesthetic that you're gonna want to go for is uh exploring the unknown, stumbling upon the new, um, and fun, fun stuff like that. Um, to really get that feel for your campaign, it, it does a really good job of narrowing down other things um, that you might not want to include. Um, like, for example, you might not want giant Herculean cities. You might want relatively small outposts that are there to kind of refuel and refill the ship as it meets its assorted needs. Um, And so building out the environment actually becomes more important than building out the, you know, places. Yeah, that's, 
definitely one of those um those elements that i feel like are key to um pulling off exploration so like um over here we have military mm -hmm. so like what what does military mean in sci-fi like explain like so military sci-fi is a little bit different than other versions of sci-fi i feel like that you're we're used to seeing mm -hmm. um military starfi uh, sci-fi is like the Star starship Fi. troopers right right it's like the warhammer 40,000 it's the kind of thing where war has meshed and melded itself into every aspect of life such that even if maybe your characters aren't necessarily soldiers, um, the war, the uh, expansion, whatever it is, is kind of a perpetual backdrop right. to how the players interact with the rest of the world. And I, I, I definitely see this as something that's quite interesting because when you have these sort of settings, you have it, it basically creates natural groups of interests, right? That the party can parlay with and it, like um, interact with mm -hmm. over the course of a campaign, form alliances, trick backstab, mm -hmm. you know, smuggle stuff underneath the watch. Um, and it creates like certain um, em environmental conditions that really allow a like, uh, small adventuring party to flourish. Like mm -hmm. adventuring in, you know, traveling through the space I, I i see like adventuring it's a bit weird way to it describe is technically adventuring in sci-fi yeah, it's i guess it's a it's a weird type of adventuring but uh yeah the, the military background the genre um it works well with characters who aren't going to be involved in the military at all but it also works great for if you want to create a soldier uh character if you want to create a spy, if you want to create a demolitionist, like all of these things mesh really well with a military styled campaign where, you know, war, even if it's like, you know, a hot or a cold war may be the central focus. Um, like I said, Halo is a classic military sci-fi game. Where mm -hmm. the entirety of the storytelling is based upon a shoot 'em up, functionally, um, and so I mean there are a, a billion war stories I feel that <laughs> that involve in some way science fiction because sci-fi, because shooting things with weird guns is cool. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I want my turbo ultra laser. All right, like is that a crime? Like, uh, is that so wrong? A quick aside, I, I just uh, okay. There's there's something I do enjoy about sci-fi. It's just that endless like n feeling of uh, like when you're especially when you're creating stuff for it. It's just the endless ability to just be like, okay, so this is this country, right? So here's your battleships. Here's the, all their cruisers, the battle cruisers. Hey, look, this is the weapon they use. Oh, this is the kind of tech they use. And then you just keep on going down that tree when you're world building. You're just like, oh my god, it's so cool. You know, it, it really is something that is actually incredibly fun to do. Create, <laughs> like thinking of uh, 
what do you call that classification systems so and so mm-hmm. I, I don't know why it's it's just something that just draws me in and draws me to the genre a lot of the fun is like okay well how would this society of slug people approach war like right like yeah yeah like it's like okay like what kind of weapons would they use what kind of armors have they developed like um when you have things that are literally completely alien it is a lot of fun to kind of think how technology might have developed with them being the way that they are. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, <laughs> just <laughs> so, um, in example, dystopian and utopian. So dystopian is uh, basically kind of a setting, like a world where everything's kind of shit. <laughs> it's the future, come up, but bad. <laughs> it's bad. And utopian is the future, but good. The <laughs> future, uh, but awesome? Yeah. So dystopian, um, I think we dystopias are more common. Honestly. Dystopias are more common in storytelling, especially in ones, right. yeah, especially in ones that involve like games and gamings, um, like your dystopian sci-fi future of uh, ultra capitalism is one. I think like I think cyberpunk is yeah, cyberpunk something like that. Is. Um, your dystopian world of, of Warhammer 40k, of a world completely I mean, engulfed in war at all time where nothing is safe and nothing is you, safe. You have right? that, then you have uh, cyberpunk, you can have a setting where, for example, um, transhumanism and stuff, but it's kind of fucked up, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, um, you... Oh, like, like, just weird horror shit. Like, you know the teleporter thing where? Oh yes, mm-hmm. um, it yeah, does actually, melt you where you currently stand and restructure yeah. you somewhere else. It's like if you pause and think about it, that's really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the dystopian futures, I feel like they work really well with um, with hard sci-fi and kind of 
with gritty realism. Right. Um, because when things suck, things tend to suck realistically. <laughs> I wonder why. Possibly because real life sucks a lot. Could it, could it be? No. Am I the drama? <laughs> um, and utopians... I'd say the issue with putting together a utopian society in your science fiction is that when everything is perfect, there's not a lot of friction to move your yeah. characters forward. Because conflict um, is like the basis of story. A lot of the... I think a lot of people would argue that uh, some of the Star Trek shows are a utopian society in the midst of a great conflict. Um, I don't know if you're very experienced in, in Star Trek. I know a Trek, bit. But it's basically my, my, like my dad's a, huge a Trekkie. Tre- Trekkie event, yeah. You're in this kind of like post... Con- uh, not post-consumerism... Uh, post scarcity world yeah, of Star world. Trek, but then also there's these constant things that are bringing this world and bringing the society under threat. Um, and so I feel like that does utopia well, but you never get to experience the utopian part of that utopia, right? Because you're, you're on always the experiencing <laughs> you're always experiencing the shitty moments of it where everything is going wrong and people are exploding all around you. Oh, look at our great utopia somewhere else. It's just like, ah. Somewhere else. It's it's awesome home, but we're not home right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, no, no, it's like that, that idea. It's like, so guys, um, you know, at home, back at home, we have warm showers, delicious food, hot women. But here out in space, we have most of those things, but it's kind of shit. <laughs> but it's just vaguely worse. All right, so cosmic themes. Yes. Okay, so cosmic themes is fun. Uh, I included this one um, specifically of sci-fi, um, where it, it's kind of like where sci-fi meets uh, like the Cthulhu mythos, um, which is kind of more on the horror side of things, right? But it's like it's horror sci-fi. It's it's both genres, so we can talk about it in the in the horror section as well. Um, but it's where uh, these great and terrible things exist on the fringes, and you know only certain people are able to see them, or only the truly mad can understand kind of situation. Oh um, yeah. But whenever you're exploring the deep darkness of the void of space, a lot of the time, uh, part of the story is going to be involving you look into the void, and the the void looks back at you. Ah, finding the, I don't want to say God, but basically, <laughs> I found God. I found God in the Milky Way galaxy. He was pissed at a giant space whale. No, I found God in a in a small small spaceport down by Seoul. He was drunk in a bar. <laughs> he said he was God. I don't know if I believe him. <laughs> um, so yeah, the cosmic things is a little bit smaller. It, it I, I think we're going to kind of address it a little bit more in the horror episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we wanted to introduce it here because it is a subgenre of sci-fi uh, that introduces a lot of themes. Most of the time, it's going to be very soft sci-fi because right. this is where you're dealing with eldritch gods. Oh yes, I can scientifically like explain like, the yeah. eldritch horrors. Let me let me really quickly just. So here's oh. my thesis, right? <laughs> <laughs> it it's it's generally going to be pretty soft, but uh, these yeah, are not the hard f- at all. <laughs> very 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 soft very soft very gentle very gentle mm-hmm. uh but i i feel like whenever you're putting together these kinds of stories um it does a good job of grounding you um generally this type of sci-fi is not going to have space travel it's it, a lot of the times it's even like set in the past where it's like oh it's like the 1800s ish and i've stumbled upon cthulhu's uh, fish cult. <laughs> fish cult. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a great little uh, great little subgenre. And speaking of subgenres, what comes Ooh. next? Space what could opera. possibly connect? It's the space opera. It's the Star War. It's Star <laughs> War. It's the great heroism fantasy trope of as hard it's and as soft fantasy. as you want it to be. It's it's all drama. I love drama. <laughs> oh yeah, it, I mean, a space opera is so very a wonderful, fun. fun thing to experience. Of. Just huge conflicting forces opposing one another and fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just enjoy stuff like that. And then of course there's always like your space westerns and stuff like that that can also be uh, space musicals. Um my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 very popular uh space musical. Everyone has watched a space musical. <laughs> it's the classic. Who has? Yeah, you know, uh, after the westerns, after all the isekais, it's the space musical. You know, it's that's space musicals. That's where that's, we live. That's where we are, man. Um, and space operas do a really good job of establishing the world of your players and your people as kind of this larger than life conflict, right? Um, that everyone is up against. Um, it does a good job of, of setting expectation for the player, who they can expect to be, uh, where they might find their place, and what kind of adventure is out there for them. Most of the time, it's going to involve uh, toppling a, a bad government. But <laughs> Oh, let's topple the bad government. Oh, fuck. <laughs> let's topple the bad government. My least yeah. favorite government. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Just like, okay, guys, we toppled the bad government. Now what is like? I guess we gotta learn how to govern. Make, make good government? Question mark. How how to make good government? Two months later, guys, I think we fucked up. Did Everyone's we starving. Bad. Um, I, I think we did bad government. <laughs> I, I think the, arguably the, the 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 bad evil government did a better job. I think we <laughs> fucked up. We're the bad guys. Fuck. I think we're the bad government now. I think we're the bad guys here. They're making a plucky upstart rebellion of like four people. Shit, we're fucked. We're fucked. (laughs) It's just like another two months later. Okay, it's just like the the rebels from earlier, like the new rebels in the same spots as they were. Guys, I think we fucked up. Great job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that'd be so funny. 
just an entire <laughs> the next arc that you play you're playing this plucky upstarts going against the previous plucky upstarts <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cycle of just an endless endless cycle of rebellion <laughs> uh, okay and then last but certainly not least and of course there's so many more yes. subgenres we can talk about as far as science fiction goes um, but these are just kind of like tools in your toolbox. Um, these are fun little things to consider, maybe even a spark to help you in your world building of just kind of getting an understanding of what kind of subgenres you want to do in your storytelling and how those will impact the way that your players and yourself experiences the story. And last but certainly not least, steampunk. Steampunk. Steampunk is one of those steamy hot sub, sub sub genres that is also kind of like fantasy. It's kind of like Arcanotech yeah. that we talked about last time, where it's mm-hmm. like, how does it work? And you're like, well, we have the 1750s aesthetic, and it just does. <laughs> you're like, I'll take it. Like, uh, it's it's steampunk. I'd say is more of an aesthetic than it is. Yeah, a it really is more of an aesthetic genre. Um, but these are things like uh, you're dishonored. Did you ever play Dishonored? Yeah, I have. Um, yeah. let me let me explain how you make a steampunk. So you take you take the the nineteenth um, century setting, you know. And then you get a bunch of um, steam and cogs and stuff, gears, everything. Slap those Slap gears on everywhere, everything. everywhere. You want the ratio of gears to like free open space to be. Everything you know, like, needs to be connected via train. Yeah, and yeah. You need some hugely ephemeral power structure. Like you can't have things be powered by oil. It's got to be powered by you know. Uh, souls. <laughs> no, not kids' souls. Even like, like I mean, um, what's it called? Um, Dark Siders or not Dark Siders? Uh, Dishonored was powered by whale guts. Like, oh right, right. Like everything was really... powered by whale juice. Um, in... Oh yes. Every day in the morning, I wake up and have a nice cup of whale juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, if anyone's ever played Blades in the Dark, which is an awesome game system very heavily inspired by the kind of steampunk aesthetic um everything is powered by dead giant sea monsters like literally it's the power source is just dead sea monster hearts and blood and stuff like that that's carefully refined and it's awesome it really is Anything that's powered by a strange juice, I think, is just strange aces juice. in my in my. Oh, book. We've all heard that hentai. <laughs> we've all watched oh, that hentai. Oh no, I'm powered up by the strange juice. Oh, <laughs> oh god. <sighs> <sighs> all right, I think that does it for today, right? Well, I think we're all all done with the the sci-fi, sci-fi subgenres. Yeah. If you, you want to close this out and just say, I don't know, say something and close this out. All right. So basically, to sum up, um, sci-fi has a lot of different subgenres, but at the end of the day, um, it's just another tool in your toolbox and uh, another genre that you can use to guide your world building. 
And with that note, thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Realms. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Just start as low as a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, only access to episodes, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast. Join our Discord every month. We have a hangout session on the last Saturday of the month <laughs> where you can speak with the cast. The link is in the description below. And you can send us an email, riffwakepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And get yourself a little mouthful of mysterious juice. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was eating a pretzel. <laughs> I could see. <laughs> you son of a bitch. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.